0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In the Deep End with Lexi and
1: Tomas. Yeah, we're excited, everybody. Today's guest is a friend of the show, Bradley Kahn. Bradley is a published poet and writer, multi-platinum-awarded record producer, engineer and songwriter, stuntman, extreme sports athlete, British martial arts medalist, and longtime meditator. Originally from London, England, he grew to prominence in the UK and US music industries as a multi-platinum awarded record producer and music creative, shaping culture through creative services, strategic advisory, branding, and events. He went on to become a published thought leader, campaigner, and advisor in establishing innovative technology and driving impact investment to shape community sustainability and support global resource redistribution programs. He currently lives nomadically as a global citizen and works as a human evolutionist and coach, advising companies and individuals in verticals ranging from health and wellness, lifestyle, frontier technology, and social impact with a slant towards helping them align with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. It is our pleasure to introduce Bradley Kahn.
2: What an intro, thank you.
0: It's a mouthful. Yeah. You've done so much, Bradley. <laughs> it's it's a it's incredible. I mean, just hearing the 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 impressiveness of of it all is really um it's 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 awesome. It's awesome. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Well it's been a an unconventional journey, but a a, a, a fun one nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think where I mean there's so many places I I want to start. There's so much there's so much you have going on that's so interesting, but I think where I I'd, I'd like to start is with the record producing in terms of, you know, your your music background and how that pivoted into kind of where you are now in terms of coaching and working with elevation barn, which we'll get into more later, but let's start a little bit with, you know, your music journey and how sure, that evolved.
2: Yeah. So my mum tells me that I was singing before I could talk oh. um, and I kind of learned my times tables from, you know, songs that, that she would play in the car. Uh, so I was <laughs> always naturally very drawn to music. My grandmother was a concert pianist and I started playing piano at six years old, like taking lessons and I uh, got really into it. And, uh, at nine, my parents bought me a keyboard and, um, had like the ability to run kind of simple backing tracks. And I started writing songs using the keyboard and my parents were uh, so supportive and uh yeah they actually put me in a studio at 11 years old for like a day and i got to record the song that i wrote and then i was hooked on the recording process and so i've always been into music and extreme sports and that's so you know as a kid i was also doing the martial arts and stuff like that um and you know as a teenager. They said, look, we, we, we're going to invest in in your interests. Would you prefer to get a motorcycle or some recording equipment? And I opted for the recording equipment. So, um, yeah, it, it was like this kind of experimentation where I was kind of being creative and trying to record my ideas. And I was often frustrated that what I was hearing back wasn't kind of what I, I, I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and for better or worse, that took me down the... Um, kind of engineering path which I think you know I've, I've gotten quite good at but I it, it wasn't necessarily my uh, natural skill set you know I was I, I came at all of this from more of a musician I was you know singing and playing instruments and that kind of thing and really I just wanted to be a songwriter and a and a rock star and kind of um, yeah just be just be expressing myself that way but I, I went to music school Came out of there, set up a studio um, with, you know, some, it was, I, I, I've been born right into the transition between kind of tape-based recording for audio and um, computer-based recording, right? So that kind of all happened, I guess, as I was a teenager. So when I came out of music school, you know, Pro Tools was, uh, and, and what they call digital audio recording was um, very much on the, on the table. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of gone into that world. And so I set up a studio and was, you know, trying to work with anyone I could uh, get paid from, you know, and uh, kind of honing my craft. And over years of doing that, as I said, became a better engineer and kind of understood the recording process and what that entails, how to make that work um, in various different capacities, I guess, and um, and so, yeah, I was. I had I had a, I had my own studio for about ten years, and hmm. towards the end of that um, period, I got a a job. But basically, though, I wasn't told who the artist was uh, when I was kind of like, you know, being um, scouted for it or whatever. They they wanted a guy that knew how to use Pro Tools um, and that understood how to work well with um, with the kind of live. But with, in, with the recording of instruments, right, and, and and my job on that project ended up being um, kind of chopping up and uh, manipulating a lot of the drums and doing sub mixes of uh, primarily the drums, uh, but but that kind of stuff. And it was for a a group from Australia who had moved to the UK and and, and uh, that did quite well there, called Pendulum.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so uh, that album went to number one in the UK um, and went and went platinum. And so. Then the management were like, oh, he, well, Bradley did a great job on, on that band. We have this band chasing status. Let's see if he can help with them. And um, I kind of went into the studio and was helping them a bit with their setup. And, um, and that's how that kind of like EDM thing all kicked off for me. And, it was, and it's ironic because, well, one, um, I was more of a kind of you know, rock and roll, soul, jazz guy. Like that's the kind of music that I was making. But also, I it was funny because like ten years earlier, um, my my friends were all into drum and bass, and there used to be this club. I don't know if it still exists in London called Bar Rumba. And on a Thursday night, all the big drum and bass DJs would basically go and try out their material for the weekend. And I would go with my friends on a Thursday night, and we'd be zombies at, in school on Friday. <laughs> and I hated the music, but I went because my I was you know seventeen. I didn't know better. But I went because my friends were all going. What's funny is 10 years later, when I got this gig, I really appreciated the music as I had that like background in it and and, and how well uh, Pendulum and and, and and some of these others were, were doing it. So that was really cool. And so, yeah, so then um, I was in that scene for a little while and I realized that, you know, I wanted kind of something bigger than that. Um, and I went to MEDEM, which is kind of like the music industry's version of the Cannes Film Festival. It also takes place in Cannes and the same area and um i was kind of discovered you could say by this guy called seymour stein who actually died this year but he was the co-founder of a label called sire records and they basically gave gave birth to the whole kind of new romantic uh genre of music so they signed madonna he signed madonna the ramones the cure the cult
0: um
2: i mean he's a real legend and anyway he was the vp of warner Music in in the US at the time, and he came to see me play some shows in London. And he said, "Listen, there's this there's this music uh, conference that happens in Austin called South by Southwest. You should come out. You'll meet lots of people. It could be good for you." Uh, And so, yeah, so I went out there. There was also a friend of a friend was a guy called Gordon Raphael who produced the first, uh, I think, couple of albums for the Strokes. Definitely did the first one. It might have been the first few. And he was working at the time in San Antonio. It's about 150 miles or 100 miles south of Austin. And he said there was a really cool scene happening there as well. So I, I, I got some work through introductions that he made, uh, and went out there and uh, and you know basically had an incredible time um, exploring uh, exploring America. And and then when I finally did get back to the UK, I just thought, okay. I, I definitely want more of that, and so yeah, went w- went out to. I I was I had a great network in New York and really loved New York and beautiful, wonderful friends there. But it was the only place I went that I didn't really get work, uh, paid work. So eventually, um, somebody I met at the South by Southwest conference, uh, a lady called Ally Shaw, Allison Shaw, she uh, ended up representing me for a while, and I went over to Los Angeles and um yeah uh, started started working there and was living in LA for for about eight years and it's only uh, a couple of years ago that I that I left and I haven't completely written it off but um but having uh, traveled as extensively as I have the last couple of years seeing so much of the world you just yeah you just see uh I don't know it's been it's been I've been spoiled by the different energies and opportunities that exist in different places. And, um, I'm thinking very carefully about where, if, if at all, I want to kind of be permanently located in one place. Mm-hmm. So that's a kind of short overview. It's an issue. It doesn't really talk so much about it's mainly from a music perspective, but that's kind of, yeah, how it all started for me. And, how I eventually went to the States. And obviously there's a lot that happened in between all of that, that we can get into. Yeah,
0: no, but I think that's great because it gives a a great background to, you know where you were before you got into more of this maybe healing coaching space. Mm. So it seems like, did you start both? Like, were you still producing when you kind of got into the coaching space or did one finish and then you transitioned?
2: Yeah, so um, a couple of things happened uh i guess just to give you a bit bit more background i've always been into personal development in one way or another um i'm you know always trying to be better you know to grow basically right and Mm -hmm. uh some periods we're making more progress than others but nonetheless i'm kind of wired that way and you know experimented with psychedelics um I, I, I guess i started experimenting with that in my late teens and so had some experience of that and uh yeah was very active as a as a kid and a teenager as i said i was into extreme sports um my again like very fortunate uh, that my family kind of you know facilitated and encouraged a lot of that stuff so whether it was motorbiking or snowboarding or jet skiing or all these kind of fun things, and and uh, martial arts was a regular thing for me from about six years old through to 16. Um, and then I was playing rugby at school, and kind of between rugby music, girls, you know, I didn't have much time left for jujitsu anymore, but that's um, I, yeah, I did that quite quite um regularly and committedly up until that point, and so you know, in my late. Uh, 20s when I, I hadn't really been doing that much exercise in my 20s, I, I saw that you know my body wasn't as in shape as I kind of thought of it as, and I was like, okay, I need to start doing something about this. And so I started doing these home workouts and really like ramping up my fitness and looking at uh, well, actually, I started looking at nutrition when my father was diagnosed with cancer, so I was quite shocked that that happened and i was trying to understand how it could have happened and i learned about food and how um, food that's kind of produced for mass consumption is often not particularly healthy uh, and often has like things in it that are negatively affecting our health mm-hmm. so in seeing that i kind of you know experimented with different things and i basically i call myself a flexitarian now but i i'm, I'm largely uh you know vegetarian vegan but then I'm not fundamentalist about it. I love cake. So, you know, if there's dairy and cake or somebody makes me a cup of tea and it's got regular milk versus oat milk or whatever, you know, I'll have it. But it's just, I I, I very much lean to being plant-based and and organic where possible as well. And again, all of these things change place to place. And, you know, I just don't don't spend too much energy on it, but I I think that I'm making um, informed choices. So... Anyway, so, you know, and and then there's the, the meditation piece as well. And so all of these things have kind of been evolving over the course of my life and in the background. So in 2017, I was on holiday in Europe and that year I really got really interested in cryptocurrencies and blockchain and this idea that people could exchange value peer to peer without the need for an intermediary. And I ended up at a wedding. I had a, a bunch of friends that were like, "Oh, you should meet this guy. And um, he's the chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation. And um, he, he, you know, he's somebody you should meet." And I um, sent him a message, and he responded. And he, and he was getting married that, e- that, that evening, or have you know, throwing a, 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 a very elaborate wedding anniversary. And so I ended up there, and it was like fabulous. And um, <laughs> And then I was supposed to be going back to LA the next day. And so I dragged myself away and get to the airport. And then it turns out I had lost this piece of ID that I needed to get back to the US. And I was like, oh, you know, just, here's, the, here's the number. I've got the picture of the ID. They said, no, so you need the actual card. So I was like, in Europe, I had, my, I had a portable um, mixing rig that I could service, you know, music clients with. And I had a few weeks of work that I could do. But then after that, it was like, okay, what am I going to do? And it was a tough situation because I had my apartment and my car and motorcycle and all these things that I was paying for in LA, and I was I was stuck in London. So I ended up getting a job with a um, crypto investment firm and basically did business development for them around Europe for the best part of six months. I think it was like three or four months in Europe and then a couple wow. of months in the US. So, yeah, I had... Um, the, the, the there was uh, two founders and I had met one of them earlier online, never in person, and uh, yeah, right. it ended up being um, a really cool opportunity. I, I got to go to Israel, to um, Ukraine, to uh, Spain, you know, Switzerland, all uh, you know, doing this this business development work. And so when I kind of got back to the US, and then kind of in 2018, the market. You know, collapsed, and I—I I had no obviously background in finance. I thought, how can I use these skills to, you know, to like to to be productive, and got really interested in this idea of cor- corporate culture. You know, this idea that like the culture within the company can really drive both the uh, bottom line for the company, but also the well-being and the fulfillment of the people that work there. Yeah, and I—I I, I started studying that and. Uh, but then when pitching for jobs, realized I wasn't really a corporate guy and, you know, didn't want to, a large part of the work is, you know, making these proposals and, um, you know, kind of in, interacting with with uh, HR or various people to get these, these contracts. And, and that wasn't really how I wanted to spend my time. And so, um, again, while this was all going on, So I I did a a bit of business development in other in other industries as well, in the cannabis industry, and you know, just little people would kind of find me out, and they understood that I was very good at building networks. So they would get me to represent their their companies and their brands. And then the Grammys of twenty nineteen came around, and there was um, a production team who were out in LA from the UK, and uh, we were at one of these pre uh, pre award show parties. And I said, guys, it's so great that you're, you know, nominated for a Grammy is fantastic. And they said, it is great. But, you know, we were actually talking about you. We want what you've got. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, one of us has got no self-esteem. The other one's always arguing (laughs) with his girlfriend. And my back's always a problem. And it's like preventing me from like being active and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, you know, well, we see you here in Los Angeles and you're single and you're so healthy and you meditate and you're riding motorbikes and <laughs> it looks like you're doing everything right. I said, oh, that's really interesting. And so, yeah, mm. I kind of, you know, um, started putting together this, these frameworks that basically um, yeah, referenced the things that I was saying to you before about, you um, I mean, so, so yeah, basically, I have two main frameworks that I use. Should I, you know, go into that? A bit?
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. I just, but I just want to pause. That that's so yeah. cool. That basically somebody noticed how well you've evolved your own life and how well that you've kept shop of your own individual, you know, stuff. That they they would like to, you know, you to teach them basically how you do what you do. I just think that's so awesome.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Well, so yeah. it's funny you say that because. During that time, obviously there was a bit of uncertainty, right? I, I've been this music music guy my whole life, and now I'm doing business development for like you know random tech com- or technology and cannabis companies, basically. So, you know, it's it's it, it, it. I found myself in a place where I didn't expect to be, and the way that I kind of maintained my sanity uh, and center during all of that was exercise and meditation, and those mm-hmm. things became non-negotiables for me so I meditate every day you know first thing I do in the morning is 20 to 30 minutes meditation I know that I could do more but like that's my baseline mm-hmm. and 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 the same thing is I, I think of myself as somebody who exercises you know most days so I, I I basically try and exercise every day and if I miss a day or two a week it's no big deal and that's mm-hmm. kind of my routine um and yeah, and actually, what actually, uh, yeah, what, what had happened was um, also around that time. I was uh, yeah, it was right around that time. I'd been involved in a self development program when I moved to Los Angeles, so around twenty fourteen, and we had spawned a um, foundation that took the training to inner city kids, and I had gone and I had volunteered to facilitate. This training for these kids. And one of the um, things that the kids and us were asked to do was to you know uh, set some goal for the month that was a bit of a stretch for us. And there are these workouts that I would do once a month called uh, Barry's Boot Camp. They have them... <laughs> uh all over the place right yeah, so yeah i would do it like once a month and i said to myself well, i'm going to do five in the next month five. And that, oh, which wow. you know simple to do them like you know every other day so it's, this isn't anything that crazy but just for me it was a it was a it was a stretch at the time uh-huh. and i remember by the third one my my sprint training was improving you know and i was getting fitter and i thought wow this is so cool that you can actually I must've been, you know, my thirties, late thirties and could feel myself getting fitter in a short space of time. That was really, um, wonderful to experience. And so this was all going on anyway. And yeah. And so I guess they, they picked up on that. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I realized very quickly, I didn't want to be a personal trainer, but actually I wanted to help people in a more holistic way, elevate their lives. And so, yeah the the two frameworks that i basically uh put together the first was that you know if you if your health is suffering everything suffers right so you want to make sure that you're well and i i thought well, what is being well well it's not being reliant on medications it's not being depressed so basically you know you're able-bodied you have a positive state of mind and you can do whatever it is you want to do in life mm-hmm. so that's kind of the, the foundational piece and so If you have an awareness around, you know, physical health, mental health, nutrition, hydration, recovery and purpose. And these are all quite simple things. I'm not, you know, it's not rocket science, but it's just making sure you get enough rest, making sure you're hydrated, making sure you're not eating crappy foods, making sure you meditate and you exercise and all these things. Then you're well, then you can do it. So then it's like, what do you want to do with your time? So uh, for a lot of people, that's the hardest question. What do I really want? And so I, again, um, you know, using different tools that I had experienced over the years um, help people get really clear on their values. So what's important to you? You know, what is the thing that if you were at home curled up on the sofa, um, getting ready for bed, and I said to you, hey, Lexi, since, you know, such and such is happening right now, You'd be like, great, I'm, I'll be there in 20 minutes. You know, what is the thing that lights you up that would make you jump up in that situation? Mm-hmm. And so what, what, what do people value? And then what would a fulfilling life look like? You know, so, so some people I speak to, you, you know, maybe their work's going really well um, and their finances are in great order, but the family life is not very good and they don't have a lot of personal time and the health is suffering or... You know, it could be any combination of these things. Um, so, and and maybe, you know, s- certain things just aren't that important to them. But again, it's understanding this balance of what do you, what is important to you and what do you want and what's what's in, in the gap. And then I help people kind of systematize that, um, uh, you know, and have milestones and goals and help them stay accountable to that and kind of get them over the line. And so that's what I've been doing as a one-on-one coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it seems like, you know, over your lifetime of building your own foundation, your own blocks, you know, your own building blocks, I should say, um, you kind of like, yeah, you kind of like understood it for yourself first, right? It seems like over your lifetime, you um, developed a, a strong sense of responsibility, discipline, right? And that seems like that, that's able to there that was able to inform your template for now and what you help what you tell your clients as well
2: now yeah absolutely i'm sorry it sounds like a helicopter is about to fly in <laughs> through the door Can, is, it, is it coming through or not yeah it yeah it is yeah. but it's okay it's, it's, okay. We'll, we'll it's you know it it's like second.
0: we're admission impossible it's cool yeah yeah
2: i'm yeah sorry that's about uh, cities <laughs> for you i'm in london right now so yeah you're absolutely right that's that's exactly it um i'm i'm a great believer that you know, experience is the best teacher. Um, And some people are really good at kind of learning from the mistakes of others. I'm somebody that's kind of had to make the mistake themselves, for better or worse. Um, And I'm also, you know, I'm not, I'm very conscious of how personal this work is, and I'm not looking to dupe anyone or pull wool over anyone's eyes, you know, so... It's always from a place of curiosity and um, care that I say, look, these are things that have worked for me and I can show you, you know, how it's worked and why it's worked. And we can try, you know, with you guys and some people, I think when they, if they, if, if they're in the position where they want to, you know, get support around things in their lives, some people feel that they need to have somebody who is, you know, maybe studied a certain discipline or has certain credentials um, and other people, I think they're more willing to trust their instincts on how they feel about someone and what the, you know, energetical exchange is with that person. And so, uh, you know, that might be somebody that f- feels to trust me and my journey and and what I represent, um, and how I might be able to support them in that way.
1: Yeah. Bradley, it's it's really amazing. I mean, I've taken so much notes as <laughs> as you've shared, because just in this, cut, it's, it's amazing, Can I like, to feel your energy and see your journey and see how life happened, you know, and what's clear to me and I'd love your, your take on it is it through so much. And and I think it gets into the transition that's happening in your life now. And like the past couple of years and kind of the new Avenue that you're moving, but you just really kept your head down and did your thing. And through what you, you know, talked about with what got you into nutrition was seeing your and like, and making that change. And, the jujitsu early on. And that was the beginning of that and wellness. And so the evolution of that over time, and then lip keeping your head down and then friends and and coworkers and people noticing you and be like, wh- how do you do that? What are you doing? What, is, what do you got going on? Cause mm-hmm. I want your, and you're being like, what do you mean? I'm just, I'm like, I'm just being Bradley. I'm just doing, doing my thing. And also that one of the biggest turning points in your life was for losing your ID to get back to America, which then branches you into this whole new world, um, which forces you to I mean, that's that's the human spirit is resilience, right? Mm -hmm. Is you going, Okay, here's a problem. Got to pay bills, I got to pay for my my bike and rent and this in LA. And I'm in London for I don't know how long. And that actually gives you the catalyst to start creating systems that you've been doing for years but just creating a lexicon and a workbook or a framing of it that then you can purpose and and kind of package out for people who aren't doing it yeah. you know, are or just don't have that language and that intuition of doing it in their in their everyday life so with that in mind and what it's very apparent from kind of just learning a little bit more about you you're you're shifting from oh this is a thing I do too. like, oh, this is a gift that I have. And I want to share this with everyone who maybe didn't get that workbook through experience. And that feels like the next, these past couple of years and what you're doing now is let me take everything I've learned. I've created a framework and and how can I help people on the grandest scale? So that leading us into, um, you've recently started working with will travis and his company elevation barn so can you kind of go into how you got involved working with will travis and and tell you know us listeners a little bit more about will travis because because we know about him and how that relationship started and the work that you're doing and the work that you will continue to be doing over the next year with elevation barn
2: yeah absolutely thanks thanks for asking um just before i forget i just wanted to say one thing um when I was going through, just because if anyone hears this and it's inspiring to them or helpful in any way, then I think that'd be great. When when I lost my ID and I was in this kind of really like unknown, like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. I just remember I had this repeated thought that like, whatever's on the en- on the other side of this is going to be awesome. You know, that's I kept telling myself like, this is this sucks right now, but it's going to get better. Like, this won't be forever. So I just, uh, just wanted to throw that out there. But to answer your question, um, yeah, so I uh, it, it, during the middle of COVID, basically started traveling and eventually got to Bali. And it was the first, like, you know, I landed that evening. We had dinner that night. The next night I was invited to a charity fundraiser because there had been a an earthquake. Um, I think it was in Lombok um, in one of the nearby islands. And anyway, they were raising money for it. And on the table next to me was Will and his wife, Jana. And, um, you know, I, I met them and they, they were lovely and kind of got on with them pretty well. And then a, a buddy of mine, a music buddy of mine who had moved to Bali, a guy called Steve Lillywhite, who's a very uh, successful music producer. who works with U2 and the Rolling Stones, Dave Matthews Band and all these kinds of artists. He, he uh, invited me out for dinner. Uh, actually, I think it was Sunday lunch even. I forget, but it, anyway, and... Um, and Will and Jana were there uh, on the table a week later. So I was like, oh, great to see you guys again. And then I kept running into them. And That's they were so funny. lovely people. And um, they're part of a community in Bali uh, called Green School in that there's, the, there's this kind of um, internationally renowned school. A lot of people go to Bali to send their kids to the school. And so they've done that. And I met a lot of their friends, um, some through them and some, just by being in in bali uh who 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 sent their their children there and it was a really lovely community so fast forward um yeah but it was about another year or so i had i'd been traveling again i'd got back to bali again i've been there two days or so i bump into will he's having uh he's just getting on his scooter at my local cafe i said well how's it going you know it's like yeah it's great how's elevation buying yeah it's good you know we're expanding now uh we we're looking for coaches. I said, that's great. I'm a coach, you know, uh, he said, okay, cool. Well, you know, let, let's talk. So anyway, um, long story short, he said, like, you, if you want to, if you really you know, want to work together, the first thing is to do the Elevation Barn and experience it and, and see what it is we do. So there was an opening for one in Bali that December, that was like uh, December of last year. I did. I did the process and uh, really enjoyed it. It was, you know, really liked it. Um, and I actually found it was quite similar to the second piece of my coaching, the bit around values and around lifestyle design. So I thought, okay, this is very similar to what I'm already doing. Uh, and yes, yeah, so uh, as Elevation Barn has been expanding, I've been going through their process of training and really getting familiar with exactly how they support people through that process and what the um kind of forward vision is for the company and uh so yeah now they so will was initially so just to give you a bit of background on will actually he uh built and sold two very prominent advertising agencies and uh, what elevation barn does, or what he what he's done with 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 his process, is taken the process that they used for brands to get really clear on their values, their messaging, their kind of like um, outward communications, and applied that to the individual. So it's 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 a fun and very uh, thorough way of getting clear on you know what's important to you in life, but because you do it in a curated small group so typically there's six people on a retreat sometimes a few more but it's usually around six six people or so you get feedback from the other participants in a very honest caring um, constructive way and um yeah so anyway so 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 that's been going on and uh, initially he was ho- hosting these trainings in bali and in new york uh, where he owns incredible properties, actually, where they they host these things. Um, yeah, they're stunning. And th- they're now doing them also in the UK, in Sydney, and in Cape Town. And so I just got back to Europe a week or so ago, and I'm planning to start these retreats in Ibiza and service the ones in the UK as well. And so what we're doing in two weeks on the 27th of June is uh, there's a private members club here called Coco, which is a music-focused club. They own a a music venue, and then there's a a building at the back with lots of different areas, and I think they have a broadcast studio and dining rooms and workspaces and all this kind of stuff. Uh, And I'm going to be interviewing a panel of music producers who have worked for the likes of Queen, Van Morrison, uh, The Killers, you know, really like interesting stuff, all, all with different approaches. And I'm going to be interviewing them on uh, c- kind of from like a thought leadership point of view on music and creativity and how they um, kind of go about doing what they do, but also presenting myself to the uh, global Elevation Barn community as a, as a new coach and as somebody who will be uh, stewarding and leading these retreats in Europe. And so, yes, yeah, so that's kind of the, the next jump off point. Uh, for me and for me working with them,
0: it's so it's very full circle. I just have to point out, you know, how you get to you know share your your, your music background with this newer uh, work that you're doing with Elevation Barn. I think that's so. Mm. It must be so. It must feel so fulfilling to kind of have that opportunity.
2: No, no, do you know? It's so funny you say that. It is very fulfilling, and also there was something that even that happened to me today that like re, just reminded me of of, of how fortunate, I feel, to be combining those two things. I went to um, an investor kind of meetup breakfast uh, this morning uh, that's run by a lovely guy that I met in in um, Portugal. I won't mention any names, uh, but but basically it was a very crypto. and I thought it was going to be a more broad kind of investment, uh, investment opportunities, and it ends up being very much uh, in the blockchain space, which is obviously a space I'm still very passionate about but it just reminded me how much more fulfilled i am with the coaching and the music and you know the the the, 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 as i said that initial vision of people being able to interact with each other peer-to-peer in a safe and um holistic way is a mission that's really meaningful to me but that space as an industry i think is so full of um Predatory personalities—that it's not um, an environment I really want to spend too much time in—and so yeah, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to combine, you know, my passion of helping people and uh, of being creative, particularly through music, um, together. And, and I, I think there's going to be a lot, uh, a lot of opportunity there. So this first of this first event that, that I co-produced with them is called Legends Behind the Legends. Um, and so we've got, you know, this panel of producers and as I said, they're responsible or partly responsible for, you know, some incredible careers. Really? And I, I thought that that would be a really cool thing that we could duplicate in different places. Um, I, I actually helped, uh, Elevation Barn with, um, there's a guy, there's a, there's another member of the community called Kipper Eldridge who, um, did some great work with Sting and, um, and, and we've become friends recently and, he kind of like called me up on stage at a festival that Elevation Barn was servicing in Bali. And so, yeah, we're thinking about how we can roll this out maybe in New York and Los Angeles and even Ibiza and other such places as well. It's very, very cool. Very cool. Thank you.
1: And and Bradley, with, with that, I assume, so it was how can we hear that or see that? Will that just in some way you guys will put that content out at some point
2: or is yeah, it so more think,
1: elevation barn? What, how's that going to work for, cause this sounds like something I want <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. So,
2: so, uh, they do have a podcast and they have some really interesting Perfect. people that come on there. So you can access that, I believe through their website. And the, the, the panel is going to be filmed and it's going to be, uh, chopped up for social media. I guess it'll also be on their, their, um, Web properties, and I think it's going to be distributed by Elevation Barn. I think House of Cocoa, uh, will, the the venue, will probably put some some media out, and I I think there may be some through the quintessentially network as well, which is a global concierge brand that um, Elevation Barn are also working with now. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, amazing. Yeah, because I, I I've consumed pretty much every music documentary. On Netflix, of and I love the behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just obsessed with like something that becomes an iconic movement or a moment or an album, and and that was created at some point through this magical subconscious of coming together and that process. I mean, maybe that's why I'm a coach is like that process has always fascinated me. Of yeah. where does that come from and how does that collective energy make something that that lasts? You know for years or forever at this point, you know, totally.
2: I can totally relate. I mean, that's something that I really connect with as well. And I love, you know, they used to have a show on <clears throat> VH1. I think it was called behind the music, mm-hmm. or something like that, where exactly they would, you know, have pink Floyd talk about how they made dark side of the moon or, you know, um, Fleetwood Mac talk about, you know, one of their hit albums. And then you've got the producer in there soloing the different tracks and you've got the guitarist in there kind of, You know, playing the riff and all of this stuff. Uh, I I also love that stuff, and um, yeah, I've learned so much over the years, actually, from being around that and hearing, or even experiencing people's process. And I think for me as a producer, one of the things I love the most is the interplay between the different uh, personnel that are involved in a in a project, and and that both in the studio and live, but um, you know, it's just, yeah, I think it, 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 there's magic in that and it, it's really beautiful to, to be part of, or even just a witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Lexi.
0: Oh yeah. No, I, um, I, I, I don't know, Tomas, if you had something you wanted to jump in, cause I feel like I've been, well, I kind of
1: want to ask a more general and, and see how it goes from here, Bradley, cause kind of sure. getting a, a snapshot. It feels like we've got the where you came from, a little bit of the middle and, and where what you're up to now. If you can pinpoint it, if you have a sense of how do you decide what's next? You know, what what is your what is your golden compass or your north star? It's it seems on this side that you showed up somewhere and 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 met some cool people or were at a cool thing and then were yourself and you had skills and and a a personality and the wherewithal around to like, yeah, let me take a stab at that. That's like, it seems so fluid on this end, but I wonder for you, what's kind of your driving principle, if you will, that or, or your North star decision maker.
2: Do you know what? It's a really powerful question. And it's something that's evolved over time. So initially, you know, it was, I want, I want to be a musician. I want to be a creative person. Um, you know, what can I do, how, how can I, how can I do that, basically? And that's really, that was really, you know, what drove me for the, the majority of my life. And that's what um, got me, you know, to, to the US, which was never a, a, a goal, but then became one after having had that experience. And then I think, you know, during that kind of like uh, reinterpretation of myself, when I started doing the business development, uh, and, and, uh, it, it, you know, it was more just kind of like, I need to make something happen. And I, you know, kind of had, to, you know, I was more knowledgeable about crypto and blockchain than probably 99% of the world at that point, because it was still relatively unknown. And so, you know, I was able to make that, that thing happen. And, and then when the coaching started, I, I was starting to be a bit more mindful, um, of, you know, I went to help people and, uh, and I want to do it in a way that is holistic and kind of full spectrum. But when you talk about a North star driving my decision-making, I think it was very clear for me, or it was it was as clear for me um, with the knowledge I had of the music industry, you know, at that time when I was uh, working in it. And again, there was things I didn't know that, you know, maybe I could have made better decisions or whatever, but like I knew that I, I kind of wanted to be in that space. But now um going into this work with Elevation Barn it's it's pretty clear uh, for me and it's like you know I want to do things that inspire me and light me up and I want to help other people do the same and 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 so actually now it's uh, clearer than ever and as I said that I had that experience this morning where I was in this environment and you know I was just like this is not where I want to be and I know whereas in the past I might I, I would have kind of you know thought, okay, this is where I am, I'll try and make it work. Um, whereas now I'm trying to be much more intentional with, you know, I'd rather work less and uh, make, make you know, something that I'm really proud of and fulfilled by than be working all the time, but kind of, you know, unfulfilled for a lot of that, a lot of that time. So yeah, it's really about helping people being of service um, You know, it's also nice as somebody who's been a a bit of a lone wolf, it's quite nice to be working in within an organization uh, where they've already got a certain amount of infrastructure. They've got a global network. They're very good at, um, you know, kind of pulling together community and um, getting everyone on the same kind of mission and narrative. And so, you know, I feel like that's something I can involve myself with and can grow in and can, you know, help support a broader community. Does that does that answer your question?
1: It it answered the question and 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 added some more. Uh, <laughs> because I'm one, curious, bro.
2: I love that one thing leads to the next. That's great. It, well,
1: uh, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, well, I I'm just fascinated by people yeah, because great. we didn't even get to. I mean, there's such a there's such a part of who you are that over the years that you have such a strong sense of wanting to help others throughout the world. And one of one of the events, you know, you helped. Uh, produced the Global Citizen Festival or were involved with that, which was, you know, in, in efforts to reduce world hunger. And you guys, that organization reduced, over, uh, excuse me, uh, raised over like a billion dollars at that time. And you also raised money for the Syrian refugee crisis in 2016. Like there's there's um, a, a huge awareness of the world and, and how can I help and how can I do mm-hmm. more? So I'm I'm kind of, I mean, besides just being a human and, and, and being empathetic, where does that sense come because we all have that sense but you've like no i need to do something i i'm in a place where i can do something and then yeah. it just makes more sense because now you get to really do it even more on a higher level so where where does that come from has that always been such a
2: close passion to you thank you that's that, that's uh sweet of you to notice so um i guess again you know we're we're a constant work in progress right so we're 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 always uh hopefully growing and adapting our ideas and trying to evolve you know i I sometimes call myself a human evolutionist i like this idea that i'm helping people grow helping people evolve so i I, as i've said already i feel very fortunate very fortunate to be born uh into the family i was born into and um You know, we could always if like if we were ever in trouble, we could speak to our parents. If our friends were ever in trouble, they could come and, you know, safe haven with us. Like we had this very kind of loving home. Um, And so that's probably where it started, that just there was this kind of I just I just remember certain examples. I won't necessarily go into them now, but like where my parents um, stood up for their friends when maybe other people in that social circle wouldn't or didn't. Um, and so I remember seeing that and, and, and seeing that level of love and integrity that, you know, if if that relationship was pure, then there was no reason regardless of what was going on, you know, in somewhere else to not honor that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and that's probably where it started. And then, um, I remember we were on a family holiday. I was 19. We went on a Caribbean cruise for Christmas with a, a few other families And, you know, these cruises, it was the first time I'd been on a cruise and they go to one island one day and then another island the next day and so on. We got to visit three or four places in the Caribbean. And I think it was Haiti. We got there and there was this part of the beach that was cordoned off for uh, the the tourists. And there was this huge buffet with, you know, various counters and lots of food. And um, I had been exploring that day and gotten friendly with some of the locals and um, uh, one of the local boys had not participated in the uh, ritual that we were doing. And when I asked him why, he said, oh, I don't like to do it. If I don't know, I'm going to get fed afterwards. Mm-hmm. So gonna, I get, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. So I went back uh, and um, I said, oh, well, there's this huge buffet. I'll bring you guys some food. So I take them, you know, some, some trays of foods. And I said to the people, the, the staff that I found there, what happens to this food when the tourists leave? And they said, oh, we we, we throw it away. We burn it. And oh I was my like, God. what? There's people on the other side of the fence that like are going hungry. And they said, yeah, we can't take the risk. It's like a legal issue. And I was just mm. like heartbroken, you know. And that had a huge impact on me, actually. And there's been a number of different initiatives that I've, some some, some grassroots, some bigger that I've gotten involved with, you know, just based on on that understanding um yeah and so i guess i guess that's where it comes from and then my my brother uh he got involved in a in a charitable organization when we were teenagers um where it was run by our school and um you know the people that were selected for this program that he he did um basically got to support for a week or two kids of the same age who were um, physically handicapped so mentally you know if he i think he was 16 or 17 when he did this um you know you're going through puberty or discovering girls you know all these kinds of things these kids are having the same experience except they're in a wheelchair or what what have you and and um and that was very impactful on him and so he's he's actually started a um, some some philanthropic endeavors over the years. And the Syrian refugee uh initiative that you mentioned was one that he started with um a friend of his called Riz Ahmed. And uh so I saw that they were doing that and and just kind of got behind it and and helped raise some money for them. Mm-hmm. And then the, the global citizen thing, I mean there's been you know, there's been a number of these things over the years. <laughs> my, the, the the charity that my brother started was called London for London, and the idea was that you know, if if, uh, if cities could help themselves, <clears throat> but you know, everyone goes out, you know, on the weekend, and get, they're getting drunk, and they're spending money in clubs and bars, and he was like, if everyone that went out gave a pound, that would be like millions of pounds, you know, just from one night out, and, you know, so that's kind of where that started, and I ended up uh, writing and, and, and uh, co-producing a, or co-writing and co-producing a song for that initiative, and we had it on the radio, and Whatnot, but um yeah, but the, 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 the global citizen thing was really cool. So when I got to New York, uh, I was in, uh, I was staying with a guy, and he took me to this lunch, and there was a guy called Hugh Evans from Australia who had this vision uh, for global citizen, and I was just kind of in that mix, and I was like, wow, these people are amazing. It was so inspiring, you know, the the scale of the things that go on in America. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of unlike anywhere else. Yeah. You guys go so big, you know, the, the vision is so big. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing that, uh, you know, they want to put on a free festival in Central Park and, you know, they want to have 60,000 people come, and They want to change the world and eradicate world hunger. I was like, this is amazing. Sign me up, you know. <laughs> so I was, you know, in the music industry at the time and, um, you know, was interfacing with this company called Red Light um, who – had like Dave Matthews Band and Alicia Keys and people like that, and um, the manager of the of the Foo Fighters was very friendly with uh, the you know one the principals of that company, and so you know there was a, there was a couple of um, things that I helped kind of bring in uh, for, for that first festival. So they had the Foo Fighters, Neil Young, and Dave Matthews. Sorry, the Foo Fighters, Neil Young, and the Black Keys uh, play that first festival. So it was a super cool lineup, yeah and, oh. um, yeah, and so there was there was like this task force, this kind of group of us on the grounds that would just kind of'd speak once a week and you know update each other on how we were putting in our energy and just trying to make this thing happen, and so yeah. yeah, so I helped a bit with that, and then there was a lovely lady called Diane Mayer who was kind of looking out for me a little bit while I was in New York, and she came from a um, Kind of MTV Networks kind of background, and so again together we helped uh, bring in uh, them as broadcast partners, and so that those were some of my contributions to to the festival, um, and yeah, and they've gone on to you know they, they're like that was uh, uh, that they've they've they, they've gone on to repeat the festival you know um, I think every year pretty much since then, and they've done it in other places. I know they've done one in Cape Town and. Uh, other parts of the world also, but I, that that was the only one that I was involved with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh that's awesome. It's, it's, it's incredible.
0: <laughs> you know, we talk about um, very often on the podcast, being of service and how, when you're able to kind of, if you're, if you have that opportunity in what you do, it, it just transforms your life, you know, in terms of when you're able to, um, you know, give opportunities to other people and share in that way. So it's, it sounds like that you, you know, you've been able to magnify that on such a, a a grand level. And it seems like it keeps, it's just, it keeps, it's going to keep going. So thank
2: you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, It's listen, it's, uh, I, I, as I said, I am somebody that kind of, you know, learns best from experience and I've made tons of mistakes and not everything I do. I mean, you guys are focusing on the, positives in my life which I appreciate but there's tons of stuff that I've tried and failed and you know you have to kind of scrape yourself off the floor and get get back out there and give it another shot right and um and some of these things have worked and some and and some of these things I've been you know a small cog in a bigger machine um uh, and and actually also today I met up with uh, somebody that I know from Los Angeles that I haven't seen for a few years and the last thing he said to me, which was really sweet, was uh, it's lovely to see you continually up-level yourself. Mm. You know, and he said, like, I saw you do it in LA and I saw you, you know, get into coaching and now to see or to hear that you're starting to work with Elevation Barn and there's this opportunity to combine, in a way, your music production and uh, and your coaching is is really wonderful. Um, and we were talking a bit about, you know, these retreats in Ibiza and, What's what what's coming up down the pipeline and yeah it was really lovely to hear and I've had a few reflections like that um over the last uh, couple of weeks where you know people have said oh you know I, I can I can see you as a coach or um or appreciating kind of w- what my trajectory is and I think it's just you know as I said th- th- I haven't always had the clearest idea of um like Thomas asked what what my north star is but I've always been really committed to wanting to be better myself um, wanting to create more awareness and more freedom in my life and uh, to do things that you know are more often than not fulfilling and uh, bringing me joy and um, you know as an artist I was having this discussion with somebody uh, recently you know you you, it is it can be feast and famine you know there are times mm-hmm. where you just don't know where your next paycheck's coming from and you know it, it, it's difficult and then there's times where you're in these magical situations that maybe not everyone gets to experience where you're you know doing a private gig in an exotic place with fabulous people and you know it's it, it, it's wonderful and, and i've experienced both both of that so it, it makes you resilient you know and now you know i'm kind of halfway through life maybe and um yeah just a bit more weathered and you know a bit more kind of know myself a bit better know you know a bit more aware of what i'm willing to tolerate and not willing to tolerate and and like you said wanting to be fulfilled myself and and help others do the same and uh, yeah for me at least that's a really wonderful trajectory to be on
1: yeah Bradley, this is, uh, this was amazing. Yeah, uh, this was really great. if there if there's anything that I think sums up it for me is, I mean, you just being committed to wanting to better yourself constantly in mm-hmm. evolution. And your whole life, you've been in the mix, mm-hmm. you've been in the mix, uh, you know, those Thursday nights with your friends of music, you didn't want to hear. And then <laughs> 10 years later, like, I'm really glad I had those Thursday nights. Yeah, and just every moment of and then getting in, involved with Varus and, and the crypto world. And, and then in Bali, it's like, I can't stop running. You've just been in the mix. And, and being I, I think open. It's
0: just- like being yeah. open, sorry to cut you off, Tomas, but um, <laughs> no, I think just being, being open to possibility, you know, it's just, it's, it's so refreshing. And, you know, in terms of like, I mean, how you described the incident with, with the ID, you know, and how you were open to the possibility or, or you knew it was going to get better. You weren't hoping, you weren't wishing, you knew it was going to get better on the other side. Right. And, you know, kind of going with the, the, the pull of the universe in that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, there's something that, uh, there's something that was said to me when I was like 21 that, that really resonated with me at the time. And I've kind of lived by ever since Uh, this guy, he was quite an interesting story. So I'll just abbreviate his story really quickly, but he was in uh, advertising and had this like midlife crisis uh, or whatever. He was in his thirties, I think. And he decided he wanted to like give it all up and just, Exit the Matrix, basically, and uh, he basically became like made himself homeless. Was living in a park here in London, and was there's a there's a magazine uh, here called The Big Issue, which is um, a way that homeless people can make money, and they they sell this magazine and they keep the majority of the profits. And so he was selling The Big Issue and ended up becoming like a street poet, and and was quite an inspiring guy. We were friends for a while. And he said he said once um, there's always the possibility that there's something you don't know and that something could change everything mm. and I've kind of lived by that you know and the, the 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 downside of that is that you know a lot of people like to be they like security they like to be sure of where they are what they know you know their their, their self-image and that may give them temporary um comfort but i think it's quite limiting right and uh, and it means you're closed to the things that you're not that you don't know you don't know right mm-hmm. so being open minded like that it means that you're not always certain and uh, not so self-sure all the time but there are things that can happen that suddenly transform your life um and uh, yeah i've i've kind of always been curious and open minded so that really resonated with me and it's been something that I kind of really live by.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, good can be the enemy of best. Mm. And um, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm going to have to write, because that what that quote you, you said is going to be in the show notes. And I'm like, yeah. I need to steal that for sure. <laughs> uh, but, but Bradley, can you tell us, as we rep here, can you tell the audience you, you do so much, but where's the best way to kind of stay track of you and what you're doing and the message you're putting out?
2: thank you yeah at this at this point it's really instagram um yeah. i do plan to uh, there's going to be a profile for me on on elevation barn at some point soon and i should really put together my own website i have um, a notion page for my coaching clients but i wouldn't even be able to tell you uh what that is you, and, and again you can probably find it through instagram so uh, my instagram is creative ninja and, Love yeah, it. Love easy, it. Easy way to, to, to get in touch with me if people are interested in coaching. Um, I often post, you know, little thoughts, uh, little coaching tips or kind of things that inspire me. Usually, usually it's either around personal development, extreme sports or music. So true to form. yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs>
1: um well bradley thank you so much uh this has been amazing lexi you want to take us out here yeah no
0: it's been it's been incredible thank you so much bradley for being on the show it it just was, yeah it was just so awesome to hear your whole journey and inspiring and i'm really excited for our listeners to hear it too so thank Thank you you so so much much.
2: you know i I think what you guys do is great and uh thank you for having me It's, it's been a real pleasure
0: yeah
1: yeah you got it well everybody we'll see you on a next uh, another episode of in the deep end. Take care.
0: Bye everyone. Bye.